and verse 12. I think we could say as we <clears throat> introduce Hebrews 8 and 12, it's a human weakness uh, to forget what we should remember and to remember what we would like to forget. We have to confess that too often remembering and its counterpart forgetting our mental uh, operations over which we have no control. We forget the things that we ought to remember and we can't forget the things that we ought to forget. Now the Bible teaches us the very opposite. In Hebrews 8 and verse 12 it teaches us that when God pardons a sinner he goes on record. He places it on the eternal record to officially state that their sins are forgiven. And it's a wonderful blessing today as a Christian to say that I'm bound for heaven. That Jesus is my saviour. That he is my elder brother. That I have all of the assurances of glory to come. But what a blessing it is to say that God for the sake of his son remembers my sins no more. They're all gone. This was the promise of the Old Testament. Let me read you some verses. Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Jeremiah 31:34 says, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now many people just on a very cursory reading of these selected verses they will say, well, how can God, who knows all things, past, present, and future, how can God ever forget? How can God forget our sins? And the follow-on, of course, is, how can I likewise forgive and forget? Well, the simple answer is this. The Bible never says that God forgets. Rather, it states that God will not remember our sins against us anymore. And not remembering and forgetting are two different things. Let me explain. God is omniscient. He's not afflicted with any human maladies or any feelings or any shortcomings. It is a human weakness to forget. And God is not afflicted with forgetfulness. But he can choose not to remember. And there's a difference. Forgetting is something uh, which is passive. We, we don't intend to do it. Like Nobody goes out intentionally to forget something. It's something which we do involuntarily. We can't really help it. But on the other hand, not remembering is active. I will not remember what was said about me. I will not remember what I have chosen to forgive. I will not bring it back up again. That's what is stated here. So in connection with forgiveness and with pardon of sins, it is God's divine promise that he will not remember our sins against us anymore. He will not bring up these matters against us anymore. Dear brethren and sisters, even on the judgment day, he says, I'll not bring up your sins against you. And we can be grateful, eternally grateful, that God's memory is not characterized by our human weaknesses. God never forgets. But in his mercy he chooses to not remember the sins of those whom he has pardoned. Our text today 
highlights one of the great distinguishing marks of the, the new covenant blessings of the pardon of sin. And here the pardon of sin is set forth under this wonderful image of God not remembering our sin anymore. It was thus prophesied by Isaiah, by Jeremiah, and here it is promised. It's given as a promise, as a fulfillment of the part of the New Testament dispensation of the covenant of grace. So in our time around the word of God today, I'd like to consider with you this wonderful truth of God's holy word, that God does not remember the sins of those that he has pardoned. And that's a precious promise. The devil loves to come and torment the minds of the people of God. But here's a promise to hold on to. It's an anchor in the storm. And God says, Hebrews 8 and 12, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. But firstly, and I think inversely, we have to say that unpardoned sin is forever remembered by the Lord. And that's the reality. <clears throat> this promise is only given to those whose sins have been forgiven. But for those whose sins that are still unforgiven, their sin is forever remembered before the Lord. It's never forgotten. To those who know not God's pardon, their sin is forever before him. It's ever on the statute book of heaven. There's not a moment in their life that their sin and all of its vileness and all of its hideousness is not before the Lord. And so long as such sin remains unpardoned and unforgiven, there can be no grace or favor from the Lord. In Psalm 51 and verse 4. Remember David, this great penitential psalm. He had committed adultery. He thought nobody knew about it. Only a few. But God knew about it. And in his great penitential confessional psalm, this is what he said. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. The sin was so seared in upon the heart and the conscience of David. It was as if he had committed it in the very presence, in the very sight of Almighty God. Committing adultery in the very sight of Almighty God. It was so seared upon his conscience and upon his mind. In Amos 8 and 7, the Lord says, The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their works. Now here's a sobering reminder to all today that no sin is hid from the all-seeing eye of God. You might have done things in the past week and you thought, nobody saw me. But they did. God saw you. Your sin was in his sight. What an accumulation of sin we must have before the Lord. Can you imagine it? All of our rebellion, all of our disobedience, all of our transgressions of the holy law of God, all of our waywardness, our sins of omission, our sins of commission, they all pile up every day and they're all before Almighty God who cannot forget such sin. The Bible depicts the unforgiving sinner meeting God in a very fearful manner. Would you turn over with me please to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. 
This is such a meeting. I often hear <coughs> of funeral services uh, on someone who's died and they've died in an ungodly they've died how they've lived in an ungodly manner. And some liberal minister will get up and say it's well for them. Tell me how can it be well for them? Because Hebrews 12 and 29 tells us our God is a consuming fire. The fire which will test every man's works. Imagine meeting someone that you wronged years ago. You've been dreading that meeting. But you know one day you'll have to meet up with them once again. But as the meeting comes closer, there's dread and there's, there's anticipation. There's all types of emotions going through your mind. And that's just with one human being with another human being. It might have been something trivial. It might have been something major. Uh, but still with all, it fills you with dread. I have to meet that person again. I have to see them face to face one day. But one day you're going to meet Almighty God. And to meet him in unforgiven sin is to meet God in wrath whose wrath burns like a consuming fire for all eternity against every transgression of his holy and just law. In the Old Testament dispensation of the covenant there were, there were many typical sacrifices for sin and removal of sin. Remember the yearly remembrance of it on the Day of Atonement in the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 16. You can look that up at home. That sin was remembered by God, verse 7. It was remembered by the priest, verse 21. It was remembered by the people, verse 29. Every year it was called back to remembrance because it was only a typical sacrifice. It was only pointing to the sacrifice that was to come. Leviticus chapter 16, every year it was remembered. But now in this New Testament dispensation of the covenant, God says, I'll not remember it ever again. There's no amount of religion, there's no amount of religious ceremony can remove sin or can cause God to not remember your sin anymore. But one. And that's the pardon that God bestows through Jesus' name. That's the greatest blessing of all. Look at this text, Hebrews 8 and 12. It teaches us that all types of sin are fully pardoned by God. This is shown to us in the threefold description of sin in the text. It speaks here in Hebrews 8 and 12 of unrighteousness. And this is, unrighteousness is a wrong done unto God as against a, the sovereign ruler and benefactor. And it can be applied to all, all acts that we've done against Almighty God. And it can be also applied to all acts of injustice that we've done unto men. Every unkind deed. Every time you pushed in in front of the queue. Every time you put somebody to the back of the queue. Every time you put yourself forward and put somebody else backwards. It's the sin of unrighteousness. And some of you will say, but that's not me. I'm not included in that. But let me tell you, you are. Because Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 tells us, There is none righteous, no, not one. 
All unrighteousness. Don't tell me today I have no unrighteousness. Dear men and women, before Almighty God, the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Then it tells us here about sins, not just unrighteousness, but sins. Sin is the missing of the mark. The glorifying of God. If you're not glorifying God, you're missing the mark. The sinner in Romans 3 and 23 tells us he comes short of the mark on every occasion. And all of us, we come short. We fall short every occasion. You know when that dart doesn't hit the board, the player talks about it falling short. That's you and me. We fall short on every occasion. For all have sinned, Romans 3 and 23, and come short of the glory of God. Then there's a, a third designation here, and it's iniquities. Iniquity is lawlessness. It's the setting up of my will against God's will. It's a living of self rather than a living to please Almighty God. And this is in stark contrast to the Saviour himself. Because it said of him in Hebrews 1 and 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Sinners love iniquity. They love lawlessness. And in order to redeem unrighteous, lawless sinners, God had to send one who was the opposite of them all into this world. He had to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved righteousness, the one who hated iniquity, Christ Jesus, our Savior, and he came to set us free from our sins. All unrighteousness, all sin, all iniquities, it's all covered. Those three designations cover everything. No matter what your sin is, it's all covered and not Threefold description. And God says, if your sin is pardoned, I'll remember them no more. Shouldn't we be happy people? Shouldn't we be blessed people? Thirdly, I want you to notice that pardon flows from the satisfaction which God has received from his son. Now you ask, where do we get all that from? Well, in verse 12... Uh, the reason is given why God bestows this wonderful blessing. Because it says here, I will be merciful. I will be merciful. The word that's rendered merciful is propitious. It's from the word propitiation. The appeasement or the turning away of God's wrath by an atoning sacrifice. It's used of Christ in Romans 3 and 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Who's the great propitiation? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith in his blood that sin is pardoned, that the guilty, the unrighteous, the sinner, the one who is deserving of judgment instead of mercy, the one who wallows in their iniquities, can be forgiven. There is cleansing still through Jesus' blood. That's a wonderful truth to proclaim. And it doesn't matter what the sin is, there's cleansing through Jesus' blood. 
There are some people today and they want to put this sin above that sin and that sin's worse than the other sin. All sin is sin. It's all covered in that threefold description. But it's also forgiven through Jesus' blood. Christ, by the shedding of his blood, turned away God's wrath from the guilty sinner. And mercy is shown to sinners on the grounds of that atoning blood. Romans 3, verse 24 and 25. In Hebrews 2, verse 17, we read that God sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ died to render God propitious towards sinners. The wrath is turned away. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened? All the wrath was turned away. And when the wrath is turned away, there is mercy. And it's through the turning away of God's wrath that God is mercy, merciful. Where does that mercy flow from? It flows from Calvary. It flows from that rugged cross outside Jerusalem's city wall where the Lord Jesus suffered and bled and died in order to secure our pardon and in order that our sins might be forgiven. Now, this truth is, is wonderful illustrated many times in Scripture. First Samuel chapter 19. Remember where Jonathan made intercession with his enraged father, King Saul, on behalf of David. And it was through the work of intercession that the wrath of the king was turned away and he was pacified toward David. And as a result of that, we read in 6 and 7, Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. Now we know Saul was a changeable man. But we come before an immutable, unchangeable king. And by the death of his son, his righteous wrath has been turned away. And what does he say about those to whom he has been merciful? They will not be slain. They will not be judged. They are forever secure on that eternal covenant that God has made with his son on their behalf. And that's why we can sing, brethren and sisters, with such assurance and blessing today that I to the end shall endure. We'll endure, why? Because we've been counted in to that great covenant of, of that God has made with his Son on our behalf. I want you to notice as we conclude that pardoned sin enables us then to experience the favor and the fellowship of the Lord. If there can be no reconciliation between uh, men and women where the offence is not dealt with and forgiveness has been sought, then there definitely can be no reconciliation where an offended God, where sin has not been dealt with and forgiveness obtained. Now the assurance is given, and it's a wonderful assurance. The greatest assurance of the journey of life, that to those whose sins have been pardoned and forgiven, they're now in fellowship with God. They're in fellowship with Almighty God. How do I know that? Well, those lovely verses in 1 John chapter 1. Would you turn over there just a little minute with me? 1 John. Chapter 1. <clears throat> Here 
Here's the fellowship. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And, it's all continuous, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. In fellowship, in pardon, and in grace, we have communion and favour from Almighty God. What sweet assurance. Samuel Davies' hymn has been sung by evangelical Christians for, for many years now. It's based on Micah 7, 18, 19. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Not wonderful truth today to proclaim to any congregation of fallen sinners We have a God and he just absolutely delights in showing mercy. He delights in showing mercy. He delights in showing grace. He delights in pardoning sinners. He delights in saving souls and cleansing men and women from their guilt and from their sin. What a pardoning God we have. Maybe you're here today unsaved. As long as you reject that mercy of God, you're under the curse of the law. But as soon as you receive that mercy of God, the blessings of this covenant become yours. You can note them all there from verse 10 to 12. God will put his laws in your mind. I was reading about John Calvin's conversion. And that was why he said he knew he was converted. Because God put his word into his heart. And the word that he previously hated, he now loved. Is that you today? Can you say that about yourself? Because that's the sure sign of the mark of grace. He will write them on your heart. He will be your God. You will be his people. You will know the Lord from the least even to the greatest. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, There's no, as it were, degrees of favoritism with God from the least from the youngest child to the oldest most mature saint we're his people he's our God what a mercy all of that is humanly speaking I cannot be restored to fellowship with someone who is continually casting up my wrongs against them. How could you walk with someone like that? You've done some wrong against some individual, and that includes us all. We're all included in that. We've all wronged some or someone, someone along the way. We've all said something or done something we ought not to have done. And we say sorry, we, we think it's all forgiven. And now we're going to move on. And every time that individual Reminds us of what we did. How far do you think you'll walk with that individual? How close do you think your fellowship will be with that individual? I'll tell you, you'll not walk very far. But in contrast, God says, Though you have broken my law, you have transgressed my law, I delight in mercy. I have pardoned your sins. 
and I will not cast up against you any more your sin. They are forgiven, and once they are forgiven, they are forgotten. Wonderful news of the gospel of Christ. Oh, the blessed assurance of pardon. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. And it's all summed up in this wonderful little phrase, your sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. Don't allow the devil, dear believer, to torment your mind and to cast up your sin. Have you confessed it? Have you forsaken it? If you have, God says, I have forgiven it. And if I have forgiven it, I'm not going to bring it up against you. Let others do what they want, but God will not bring it up against you. And dear unconverted soul in the gathering today, I, with all my heart, I urge you to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. The one alone who can forgive your sin, pardon your sin. The one alone who assures you today, once it's pardoned, it's forgotten. 